Welcome back to Trending in Education. Dan Trapper, Brandon Jones, Michael Palmer along with you. This week, we're talking audio. We're talking Slate Media. Uh, we're talking a little bit about Facebook. We're really talking about delivery of content yet again, but uh, maybe a pivot away from video here on this episode. But first, I want to check in with Brandon. Brandon, how are you doing this week? What's new in your world? I guess what's old is new again. Um, I've got words for you, Dan. You've come to the right place to talk about content, especially talky content. Yeah. Uh, because here we are on a pod. So I'm excited. Um, I like I liked talking uh, the last couple shows about CES. We got some, some new action for you today, um, but uh, I'm excited. And uh, Mike, uh, Slate Media, uh, one we've tracked uh, with the Panoply Network, obviously uh, a big force in the podcasting world um, and does some great work, some amazing podcasts that I know you and I listen to, tons of people listen to. Uh, but uh, they redesigned their website, right? And also made a, an announcement or got coverage on pivoting away from video or at least continuing down the road they were going down and not chasing the video fad, right? And, and focusing on podcasting but focusing on text as well. Uh, a, a little bit of a, a breath of fresh air here from a, a content and media perspective here in 2018. Yes. How do you feel about that, Mike? I feel, I feel good. And uh, full disclosure, uh, Kaplan Test Prep's part of Graham Holdings and so is Slate. Uh, so they're, uh, they're a sister company of ours. And uh, I think even independent of that, to your point, Dan, uh, as a content developer, they're... Um, they really have a, a strong editorial voice. They've been doing this type of stuff for a long time. Uh, re reminds me a little bit of what I think the New York Times is doing as well, where like if you have a strong background in um, print and the way you develop stories for print, extending that into audio is uh, a nice adjacency. And I think it works in both directions too, where like what begins as audio can pretty quickly translate into print, which is something, uh, you know, keep an eye out in your bookstores for the trending in education uh, books uh, that are going to like our, our publishing play. It'll have a glossary. But, uh, but basically you take, you take speech and you turn it into uh, text. And then once you have that text, you can do a bunch with it. And then similarly, what Slate's talking about now is rather than saying, you go, to, uh, you go to the iTunes store to find the podcast and then you go to our website to find the text. They're, they're trying to understand better ways to publish the two next to each other. Uh, that and a new, like more compelling visuals, um, but specifically not focusing on video. Because uh, I think particularly since uh, our friend, the Zuck, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, has been talking about, at least historically, had been talking about how Facebook was, uh, was evolving into a video platform. Uh, I think it's interesting, and I, in this case, I think it's smart for certain brands and uh, sort of content plays to specifically stay out of video, to say that's not really for us. And there's another, there are other lanes that are open around uh, the power of text and the power of audio and specifically podcasting. Um, so I, I thought there was a lot uh, for us to think about because I think we're, uh, we're a little more multi-purpose. You know, like we can produce video, we can produce audio, uh, but the sort of the pairing of audio and text, I, th I think there might really be something there. I, I don't know if you have thoughts. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so too. I think there's um, an article which you may get into which talks about, um, you know, how audio is, uh, is friendly uh, and connected to how people process information. Um, 
specifically around tone. <laughs> um, that was a spoiler for you. I hope everybody's now really listening yeah. <laughs> yeah. as you're drifting off to sleep. Sorry right, about right. that. Right. Um, they say it's modulation and moderation. The thing about, uh, about the, the slate uh, decision, I also like that they, uh, I think they couched a lot of it in, cha- in changing their UI. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the user experience that's associated with it, where they're not just, you know, putting things that were hidden behind buttons, like right in front of you, but they're also doing things to, to prioritize their podcasts and their, and their, their written pieces. Yep. Um, but I think that that speaks to something that we, we've touched on a number of times during this, uh, during this pod, uh, the, 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 the history of this pod, not during this specific episode, around um, the, cus- the, the, the human experience, the consumer experience, customer experience being really important. And so I, I think, um, you know, content, I, I, there are people, people have argued that, that winning content won't win. I don't know that that's true, but I think that uh, winning content that's, that's locked behind uh, less than um, ideal user interface or, or user experiences, that won't win or it's, right. it makes it harder. So I, I, I like that it's, it's both, both a, as they say, pivot to words. Uh, as well, other companies are pivoting the video, but also very, very focused on the u- the use of their uh, of their content and their site. Yeah, and and your your point about like uh, paralinguistics, uh, <laughs> it's it, good. It's a really good one. Where um, I've heard folks talk about how voice is an emotional format, whereas text is 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 less emotional. So like you can't really understand how the speaker felt just based on the words that you read, but in, you hear her speak, you're like, oh, okay, got it, you know? And, uh, and there was this article uh, that uh, from some- Second rate, it's a second rate institution. <laughs> there was a yeah, Yale, in Connecticut. I believe Yale. Oh, that's the one. Yale, uh, that uh, listeners glean emotions better from voice only communications. Then from face, like that's, you know, which the, the, the face part is where right. like all of the expressive bits are, but turns out right. that, your voice and the and I'll, I'll spare you for doing tone again the the moderations in in modulations in in tone are um are even more uh we're, we're better more, more easily able to to decode mm-hmm. emotion from uh from that so it's like when i cried on air last week um <laughs> yeah when we were talking let's not talk about that again but right, um right. but yeah like there's i could tell from your tone and also from reading about this thing uh it's interesting though interesting stuff it's also interesting to look at like sentiment analysis too because like you know the idea that the you know you could convey through say like six or so uh icons what your emotional state is and how that is another way in which we're trying to get at emotional communication um uh, i just think that's kind of interesting because like that those icons frequently are based on uh, universal expressions of our on our faces. So um, maybe it's a little bit about cognitive load, though, too. Like when you're just listening to audio, um, you get to focus more on every sound. And uh, why are you talking about morons? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. I mean, that actually comes out in this in this Yale article too, where they're talking about when you're communicating just you know through multi-channel. By which I mean, just like talking to someone. But yeah, like, and you're you're gesturing while you're for the for listeners. People don't know. Brandon is gesturing with his uh, with wildly his. gesticulating. <laughs> um, you know, so you have to be processing. You have to be decoding and coding um, facial expressions, body language, the right. actual words, the tone, mm-hmm. and you know, you you parse some of, some of those out, and you 
put them to the side when you're just listening to audio you can you can focus more on on you know the the a couple points of the communication now that's assuming that as I assume all of our listeners do that all you're you're sitting in like a darkened room like a Focus. sensory desperate deprivation chamber yeah. um, and you're just focusing like right. you, you're you're connecting not the R train you're saying yeah yeah not the R train um, not the not the anything other than not the walking around just just sitting just focusing relaxing yeah focusing yeah, yeah and listening and learning right all that yeah it's uh, a couple of different uh, avenues to go down here, but Mike, I have uh, this question for you. Of we had Brewer on last year, uh, and he talked about the idea Brewer? of. Sorry, <laughs> uh, we had Brewer on last year. Brewer Saxberg, who's now at the uh, the Chan Zuckerberg uh, uh, Institute Institute Initiative Initiative, um, who um, was at Kaplan at the time, talked about video and talked about education through video and. Um, does this sort of mitigate or, or have a learning implication in that maybe uh, the, the strong pivot by so many people to video to deliver educational content uh, maybe overshot the best way to deliver content? And uh, the idea of pairing audio with text or audio with still imagery uh, maybe got overlooked by some people um, as a way to deliver a good, strong content uh, that allows a learner to maybe uh, understand it better or appreciate more the the context of what's being said. Yes, I think uh, I think that's the you know we we generally look for um, macro trends, but then also counter trends. So like when we think a a bigger trend maybe uh, overshot the mark or picked up too much uh, of the collective momentum, so that folks maybe miss something. Frequently, that's where something uh, surprising or unexpected can emerge. And uh, I think a lot of the research that, that I've seen, similarly, there was another, another article around the efficacy of motion graphics versus still imagery. And uh, the research found that learners uh, performed better when they just saw the keyframes, like the, 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 the still images themselves, rather than when they were animated and moving around. Um, I think it, it is interesting to think about it in a world where we're consuming so much video and so much media just in general. Um, how do you find those learning opportunities in that pack schedule? Um, and that's why like, I think video is a natural uh, mode of media consumption these days. So the idea that we want to put learning materials in that common frame makes tremendous sense. But I am finding more and more for myself. I listen to content a lot. And while I learn from podcasts, I'm not necessarily focused on learning when I'm listening as much as maybe I could be. Like I listen to an audio book or I listen to like a, a really informative podcast like this one. Yeah. And uh, I do find that I like, I'm like, wow, I just learned, you know, and then I'm talking about something later on. Where did I learn that? Oh, I, you know, I listen, I listen to it on a podcast. But I think a lot of uh, folks sort of go for the, the sort of the glossy high production value of video uh, and sometimes, uh, you know, miss real opportunities around, uh, around their, around audio and text. And I think also for Slate, it was good for them, I think, to understand their own identity and what they were good at. And rather than try to stand up some new capabilities that would have been a stretch for them, instead, they're focusing on what they're good at to kind of continue to, uh, extend on those capabilities. I wonder, and there's, there probably is research out there, but I, I haven't seen it, um, is uh, on on sort of cross training style, right? So, you know, if you if you're trying to learn something, 
having, uh, you know, worked examples, text, video, yeah. audio, like mix, all, mixed media. Yeah. Mixed media. So like, just like if you, you know, even if you're going to go for a run, like you may want to go for a run and a bike and a swim or like, mm-hmm. you know, like that there is, there is value in cross training. because it works different muscles. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder if there's there, I think that that could be an interesting academic study it probably has been done, but um, if, if it hasn't, uh, listen up all you academics. Um, there's a, there's a good idea for you. It reminds me of the dual coding principle of yep. learning science. So like if you process through more than one sensory modality, uh, so if you pair the audio with visuals and, and actually I remember in that research, it did make a distinction between audio and text as pretty much the same thing, uh, which is an interesting one too. Yeah. Remember we talked about it yep. where like you're actually processing audio and and text that you read even though it's a visual format the actual processing of the meaning of the text right is in your uh your like verbal processing mm-hmm. centers as opposed to your visual processing centers and then if you have an image that's really processed in a different part of your brain um i like talking about brains we need to talk about brains <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah you and yeah. me both yeah Back to the Halloween episode. Of course, uh, talking about brains, if you want to go back, uh, right around uh, Halloween, we had a, a discussion around the brain and more. Um, go back to that back catalog, uh, maybe episode 63, I'll double check. Uh, but uh, we continue on here talking uh, about Slate, talking about audio at large. Uh, you did mention Facebook earlier, Mike, uh, and Brandon, you had brought up uh, the algorithm change before we started uh, recording here. And uh, Zuckerberg did talk about pivoting the video. They have the watch tab. But now they are seemingly moving away from uh, news and media on Facebook and looking for more, I forget the exact wording he used, but genuine interactions to, to move that to the top of your uh, news feed on Facebook. Uh, do you think this is influenced in a similar way by a pivot away from video? Or do you think Facebook's just trying to maybe distance themselves from the fake news problems they had uh, during 2016? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, I mean, I think it is driven by, um, you know, some of the the blowback they've gotten. And, you know, I think uh, Zuck is uh, is just a super healthy capitalist and, and likes whatever works best for him. But there's probably a touch CZI style of like social good there too, right? So um, the, 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 the algorithm changes the return to the roots of more content is going to prioritize um, comp, like things that have comments that are written by community members rather than, um, you know, the likes or shares, likes and shares or deprioritized comments are prioritized in the, in the change of the algorithm. And the idea is that it, you know, it, it pushes down content from, um, you know, from, from media, uh, co- content from, um, you know, from companies that are advertising, uh, and, uh, and that's news also is part, part of that. Um, I think that the, that's not necessarily a pivot away from video, but what's interesting is that, um, companies, you know, including to, to some extent ours have found that video is super engaging from a measure of shares and likes mm-hmm. and have retooled some of their organization operation around producing, you know, high quality video. And so, um, I think that organizations that can't code switch, you know, that, that can't have really engaging dialogue with its user base or, you know, text that, that is compelling uh, because they've gone all in on video, I think that they, they may be losers in this. Yeah. And so I, I, think, I think it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. And we, we were talking a bit about ESPN as a contrast where, you know, a lot of, uh, 
larger sports uh, media players like ESPN have been firing a lot of their writers and getting yep. rid of a lot of their sort of text capability to focus on video. Um, I think it may make sense in that context too. It may be like a, a, a better assessment of how you want to own, where you want to be in a leadership position within uh, content and media and where you realize, you know, to do everything, we're not going to do anything as well as we could. So I think for Slate to say, we're going to focus on audio and text makes sense because that's really sort of Slate's background. I think New York Times, similar, like they're not really producing a lot of high-end uh, video, but like what what I get out of the daily is is, is really sure. is, is fantastic. And then I think ESPN, um, they're saying it's too expensive to uh, to really support the writers who would sort of maintain their writerly presence. Um, as a sports fan and someone who sort of consumes that type of content, I like it. Um, I do find that a little bit frustrating because uh, I do see uh, opportunities to kind of like play in that space, but that might just be me as a as a consumer. Right. And I also think like when you're understanding the cost benefit analysis of playing in multiple channels versus focusing on one or few seems like a common play. Like ESPN is basically doing the same thing as Slate. They're just choosing a different uh, media form. Well, Fox, Fox sports went full video. Like Fox sports fired Ken Rosenthal, who uh, baseball fans know is one of the best baseball beat report, baseball national beat reporters out there fired him. He he moved on to just uh, working for the athletic, which is now a paid text subscription website, which is also an interesting space to talk about uh, in a future episode. Uh, but from uh, awfulannouncing.com and other sites that track sports media personalities and sports media, they lost 88% of their traffic from when they pivoted to video. Um, and they also saw a problem of not being able to produce it fast enough. That right. like when something happened, uh, they weren't able to have breaking news the same way that they had in the past. And they've gone back to text. They've mm-hmm. gone back to articles, which is uh, an, a quick admission of uh, missing out on it. Uh, and I think it does sort of, to your point, or maybe what I got from your point, Mike, of uh, what we're talking about before of Slate with the text and the audio, people consume in multiple different ways. Like they, they're going to come to you for different ways. And if you're just offering one, even if you do it really well, you may lose out on a lot of your market share and a lot of what you're doing uh, pivoting to video. I didn't mean to cut you off before, Brendan. No, 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 not at all. Um, I mean, you did. You definitely did. You definitely meant to. I like that you also were reflecting on your version of Mike. <laughs> yeah. That was my favorite. Yeah, yeah, well, I didn't yeah. want to misquote him. And that's oh, why yeah. I realized yeah. I may have heard what I wanted to hear. That's- the, um, the thing that's, that's interesting also is like you can, uh, and, and I'm, I, it's going to sound like I'm impugning motives here and I might be, but um, uh, it was a nice segue from, from my commentary on you, Dan. Um, is uh, you know the the where the commercial interests lie here in this right? So if you take ESPN, uh, you know advertisers pay. I don't know if it's, sure. if it's across categories. It's something like five x mm-hmm. for an ad that's on a video clip versus an ad that's in um, you know a, a something text. And 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 depending on the video, you may be able to serve up multiple ad units, or you can expose it over a longer period of time. Right. And so, you know, you wonder, is it that they have, have metrics that show that their content is more engaging when it's video or is it that's more monetizable? Mm-hmm. And like there, there's this siren song, you know, at working for a for-profit company, I, I hear it too. I think it's like, it's then it's natural. You want to maximize your, your profit in an sure. organization where you're, 
you know, publicly traded company with, yep. uh, with, with shareholders to, to think, think about. Um, but there's, it, it's hard. There's, there's a, you know, there's a balance between what's driving the commercial interests and like what actually, what content is best, what user experience is best for your, for community. And you gotta, I think the le- a lesson for us all is, is keeping the, the consumer, keeping the user central, making her at the center of your decision making mm-hmm. usually leads to a better decision. Interesting to see how much that's, that's at play here. Yeah, it is interesting to think about the, the sort of premium subscription model as a path to revenue too, because that's really what Slate and uh, New York Times, Washington Post, they're doing that, where it's like, give you a little bit of free. Uh, Slate gives you a lot of free in terms of their podcast, but they're, they were Slate, plus, yeah. Slate Plus is really what they're pivoting to in terms of their focus. And uh, it is interesting because then that starts to almost touch on like a Patreon model, like, a, you know, I, I want to support this because I like that what they're doing. And I want to hear more from, you know, that that press outlet or that content play, like, I actually want more from them. And I'm willing to give more to get that that level of access that I don't get otherwise. Um, and then also from a content development perspective, then you're thinking about mm, what is premium content versus right. what is public content. Um, it's very different from monetization through advertising, which is, is sort of the contrast there. Mm-hmm. So a uh, lot to chew on, a lot to chew on. A lot indeed. Great stuff. Uh, Brandon, any final thoughts? I don't want to cut you off here at the end, like I've done in previous episodes. Yeah, Dan, I really took you to the, I, I really took you to school uh, education. There was a woodshed uh, involved. There was a woodshed. Yeah. How much woodshed could a woodshed shed? Um, there's a, we don't have time to get into it now, but there is, there's a, an article on, um, on silence. I guess we're about to give you plenty of that. Like yeah. if you just keep listening to this pod and there's nothing else in your feed, you'll get all of it. But on the, on, on silence and silence as a, as a mechanism to help learn. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, that's interesting and, and how we can use that. Others can use it. Um, yeah, look, I mean, this is, this is, we are, um, have biases here, I'm sure as three podcast hosts, but uh, I think audio is interesting. I think text is interesting. I think making, decision, you know, the, the evaluating decision-making around what media you choose to use is, is interesting. So I uh, hope, hope to talk uh, more about this uh, to come. Thanks so much to Brandon and Mike for a great conversation. As always, find us on Twitter at Trending and Ed. What did I, I said to Brandon and Mike for a no, great conversation. A, when's, when's my point? I don't get a parting thought. <laughs> yeah, this is good. Dan, this, you know what? This is a twice tre- now, Dan. Dan. Don't, don't cut this out in post, Dan. Uh, this is trending in education. Like you're like, the thing that we do, we've got a thing, Dan. You, you ask us how we're doing. Our parting remember, thoughts. Remember like, how we're doing, and then you ask us if we have parting like, thoughts, like Dan. It's like one to grow on. Yeah. You know? Dun, dun. All right, ready? Uh, we'll take this back in three, two, one. Mike, any parting thoughts for the audience before we go? Yeah, one, one quick one. <laughs> uh, and you mentioned it at the top, like universal design for learning, where like, when you're thinking about audio, uh, you know, it's helpful for sighted folks to have multiple options, but if you actually can't see, if you're visually impaired, audio is better, you know, uh, generally speaking. So, uh, so then if you think about it, you know, conversely, if you're, uh, if you're hearing impaired, you know, giving folks access to great visual content is, is another model, which is why ultimately I think mixed media is probably the right way to go and you want to be able to deliver across formats. Um, but, uh, but stay tuned for our visual compendium 
uh, by the glossary from trending in education <laughs> trending in ed.com for that glossary that Brandon loves so much uh, find us on Twitter at trending in ed of course trending in ed on Facebook as well and maybe a coffee table book in the future we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out uh, here uh, on trending in ed thanks so much for listening we'll be back next week with more trending in education <laughs> <laughs>